0: Okay, yeah, it's time for our Christmas episode. I'm ready. I've got my drink here my my nice uh uh hot chocolate here. I've got uh the soundtrack for the episode. I've got something okay, something's missing. what's oh no, oh oh no,
1: libby. <laughs> you didn't really leave me home i'm, I'm right here
0: oh thank god I okay uh, you just you wandered off for a few minutes and i got concerned <laughs> sorry uh hello everybody welcome to another fantabulous episode of the ost party this is a movie soundtrack podcast where music fans and movie fans get together and have a rocking holly jolly good time talking about all of our favorite movie soundtracks hi my name is joseph wade i will be your host for this evening here with me tonight is my lovely and festive and belligerent co-host Libby Cudmore. Libby, Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas, Joe. It's good to be here.
0: Uh, so this is a kind of a historic episode for a number of reasons.
1: So many reasons.
0: Not the least of which is because this week will be our show's first birthday.
1: Yes, happy birthday to us.
0: Happy birthday to the OST party. Our first two episodes came out uh, December 20th, 2018, Clerks and Batman Forever. And we hope to have many more in the future. Yes, so, indeed. happy birthday yeah, so, to us! so you
1: know, keep listening, keep uh, keep retweeting, keep answering our polls. We'll get to those in a minute.
0: And uh, yeah, keep suggesting uh, rocking good soundtracks because we have got a lot of suggestions, and hopefully in the next year we'll be able to get to yes, a lot indeed. of those. So, uh, this is this show is historic for other reasons. We will get to those in a few minutes. Yeah,
1: there's, a, there's a lot. It's a Every big episode. last one of them. So,
0: yes. So on our last episode, we asked you to vote on which actor rocked the worst, rocked the most badly.
1: And you had so many to choose from. I don't know about you, Joe, but this episode, uh, I didn't expect it to hurt me because I am sort of armored for these things, but I have had Boys in Bars stuck in my head all week and I'm going to kill you. (laughs) oh uh, yes so i badly. love it
0: i love it yeah well wow. i mean turn about's fair play because i cannot stop thinking about crispin glover singing these boots were made for walking
1: like, <laughs> yeah that one got my husband it made him really really uncomfortable
0: like it's the kind of thing i i've needed to like show to people like have you seen this have you heard this uh my girlfriend hates me now incidentally so thanks for oh, that
1: i'm sorry thanks I'm sorry. for that
0: um but yeah, so the poll we asked you uh, in three consecutive polls, uh, who is the worst actor turned rock star? Libby, let's take it away.
1: So in our first poll, Russell Crowe won out by 57%. Oof. People really <laughs> kind of hated Russell Crowe and for good reason.
0: I'm a little surprised that the hate is so strong like uh, you know, especially with Bruce Willis up there.
1: Yeah, well, uh, our good friend Heath at Shima Twenty Five pointed out that he knows how thirty odd foot of grunt got their name. Uh, he said it's referring to thirty feet of film. When he was making the film Virtuosity in '95, he was doing ADR in the studio for a fight scene, and the director asked for thirty odd foot of grunt. Wow! So, Heath, thanks for listening. You are now an honorary member of Thirty Odd. foot
0: Congratulations! Use it well.
1: Yeah, nice work. <laughs> So coming in second place was Bruce Willis with 29%. 14% of you who clearly didn't listen to the episode and know nothing said that Jeff Goldblum was the worst. Technically, he's a jazz star, not a rock star. Get it right, people. That was a more. trick question. And <laughs> nobody uh, voted for Keanu Reeves. So he he escaped. That's my unscaped. favorite
0: part of that poll. Is Everybody agreed. Keanu Reeves is perfectly fine
1: yes so i you know what i will accept that joe do you want to take uh round two of yeah, the battle sure. royale
0: okay so round two we had uh, another four uh, another list of four uh stephen king won that poll with 38 percent, which again kind of surprised me
1: yeah i was surprised by that too
0: because we, we kind of agreed like his song was actually pretty good
1: yeah and especially given two of the others that he was up yes. against
0: um, Robert Downey Jr. took second place with 31% of the poll. Crispin Glover a respectable 23%. So those of y'all who stuck it out and heard that entire song, y- you were hopefully not in the. I don't know. I really don't know how to take that that uh, answer result.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't either. But
0: uh, Burt Reynolds came away with 8% of the vote. So I feel like Burt Reynolds really won that uh, poll. Yeah. All right. So round three, what happened?
1: <laughs> round three. With 94% of the vote, Steven Seagal
0: <laughs> won in a
1: landslide for the worst actor-turned-singer. Kevin Bacon, my nemesis, uh, only got 6% of the vote. Ooh. So then, that meant our final poll for the title of Don't Quit Your Day Job. Joe, <laughs> who won? Well,
0: Okay. So in third place, with 10% came Stephen King. In, in second place with 24% was Russell Crowe and with an amazing 67%, Steven Seagal won this poll in a landslide.
1: Yes. So you people really hate Steven Seagal and with good reason. He also <laughs> sucks.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, his, his song was like the first one that we covered. And I think everybody knew like, Oh yeah, that's the worst one right yeah, there. Right then. And there. it's
1: pretty bad. Uh, have you seen the Onion movie?
0: No. Should I?
1: It's pretty funny.
0: Okay. But they
1: have a uh, a movie. It's really Steven Seagal's last movie because they have a trailer for a film called Cockpuncher, <laughs> and it is honestly his best work.
0: Wow. Okay. Cockpuncher so Mania. He went it's out on sweeping top. the nation. <laughs> But but really, he didn't, because uh, he's been in a lot of stuff since then.
1: Yes. Yes, he has.
0: Including uh, at least two TV shows where he pretends to be a police officer. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a lot there. A lot to mine there. But we don't have time. Uh, no. So we will post the poll after tonight's episode.
0: Well, tonight, this is you know the, the, our episode so close to Christmas, and I, I wanted us to be able to do a Christmas episode. So looking around, kind of trying to find a movie that has a decent, you know, music soundtrack for us to cover, uh, there was really only one option for me, and it was Home Alone 2, Lost in New York.
1: I wanted the Star Wars Christmas special. I just want to point that out to everybody. Well, the
0: thing with that, though, is that the Star Wars Christmas special and then the album Star Wars Christmas and the Stars are two very different things.
1: Yeah, but only one of them has Starship.
0: I know, but only one of them has (laughs) John Bon Jovi. Oh, boy yeah
1: that's okay next next, christmas next
0: year there's there's always next there
1: is so enjoy you know so everybody here's five dollars go see a star war
0: enjoy 2020 while you can (laughs) um so but before we talk about uh, home alone 2 i do have some billboarding school uh notes to talk about yes this soundtrack uh was released november 20th 1992 about the same week as the movie Uh, It debuted on the Hot 200 at uh, number 196, so it barely charted in the first place. Um, The the highest charting soundtrack that week was a soundtrack to a movie called Pure Country starring George Strait.
1: That's a thing? That's not just pure moods for rednecks?
0: Nope. I had to look it up to verify. It is, in fact, a feature film starring George Strait.
1: You learn something every day on this podcast.
0: It was number 12. (laughs) It was popular. (laughs) That
1: explains a lot of things
0: that explains america really um so the home alone 2 soundtrack peaked in its third week at number 98 which incidentally was also christmas week Mm -hmm. uh it was gone by january uh the week it fell off the charts the number one album in america whitney houston's bodyguard soundtrack
1: which remained the number one album in america until titanic
0: yep (laughs) pretty much I went back to our archives. It was the it, it was the number one album for so long. It was also number one when Super Mario Brothers came out. Wow. Home of One Two, you know, not a big charter, but uh, I think time has borne it, borne this film out as a, as a quote unquote classic because I mean we're talking about it today, obviously.
1: Yes, and it charted in our hearts.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 196 on the charts, but number one in our hearts. <laughs> Not really. Nah, not really. yeah, not really. I also want to point out, the film opened uh, the same week as Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, which despite, has? Which has is, Keanu Reeves in it.
1: Yes, and, but who else?
0: Um, Who else?
1: Tom Waits.
0: Oh, that's right. He's Renfield.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: That's right. I forgot about that.
1: What was Smash Mouth doing this week? In 1990, somewhere, Steve Steve Smashmouth got this idea: I'm going to form a band. It just came to him in a vision.
0: He was he, listen. He was in Hawaii at a at a Hawaiian shirt store, and an entire album just appeared in his head.
1: <laughs> the Legend of Steve Smashmouth.
0: <laughs> also, this week, the week that Home Alone Two came out in theaters. A little film called Under Siege starring Steven Seagal was in its seventh week on the charts.
1: (laughs) Everything comes... Honestly, we could stop this podcast right now. Everything has come to this nexus of Home Alone. Also starring in Home Alone was Joe Pesci, whose album uh, Vincent LaGuardia Gambini sings Just For You could have been on last week's episode.
0: Oh, it really could have. We thought about it.
1: Yes. Yes, and... Don't worry, it will. Which I feel bad about because Joe Pesci is, for all accounts, a good dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, Joe Pesci is kind of—he's a, a hard one to hate, really.
1: Yeah, he's known for just like giving kids a hundred bucks.
0: That's a, yeah, that story. That's oh. amazing. I love. We're it. gonna
1: we're gonna go easy on Joe Pesci.
0: So yeah, um, I don't need to t- really tell you that this movie was a big hit. I mean, it made three hundred sixty-five million dollars, which even by today's standards is pretty big for like a Christmas comedy. mm Hmm. But I think this one and also the first movie are like two really big sort of movie touchstones for our generation.
1: Yes, indeed. Because
0: I I, can, I have vivid memories of being six years old and my mom taking me to see this movie.
1: Yes, uh, I have vivid memories of my early, my late childhood early adolescence singing somewhere in my memory in choir for what seemed like fucking ever. Like oh, every year. No. To this day, like when I hear like a first pangs of it. Mm-hmm. I instantly remember all the words. Just remember Ooh. singing it over and over and over again.
0: I'm so sorry. I- I'm sorry that you it's have okay. those memories.
1: It's okay. It's not a bad song.
0: My uh, my lasting childhood memory of this film is, uh, I forget which like restaurant chain had them, but like I-, I got a Home Alone 2 poster from a fast food chain, and it was a poster of the Statue of Liberty, but it's putting its hands on its face and screaming like Kevin does. I think
1: I... Remember that Pizza Hut? Maybe it no.
0: Prop? Maybe.
1: I'm trying to think what
0: it was. Hardee's. Yes, I think it was Hardee's. But I had that painting on the wall opposite my bed, and I definitely had to not look at it sometimes because that image kind of frightened <laughs> me. But I left it up anyway <laughs> because I loved Home Alone too. So
1: if you ha- find a copy of that poster, send it to Joe. Mm-hmm.
0: He will thank I you. I will frame it. I will frame it and put it in my bathroom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the best.
0: That's great. So yeah, um, Home Alone 2, where on earth do we start?
1: I think we start uh, at the beginning. Now, the opening theme of this is the same as the opening theme from the original, correct? Or is this a new opening theme? I couldn't...
0: I think it's the same. It's uh, Somewhere in My Memory is the song, right? Yes. John Williams and the lyrics were written by... Uh, I had the name Leslie, Leslie Brickuse, B-R-I-C-U-S-S-E. Okay. So yeah, that, that song is is sort of the de facto Home Alone theme. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they play it with, with lyrics, sometimes they don't. I think in two is the time, or the second film rather, is the one that plays it with lyrics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because on, on the soundtrack, we'll talk about this, on the soundtrack, uh, it's performed by Bette Midler,
1: Bette Midler had a weird resurgence in the mid 90s.
0: She did yeah it was like this and then Hocus Pocus and then
1: The Hunchback of Notre Dame mm-hmm. she sang yep. uh, the title not the title theme for that she sang uh, God Help the Outcast which I sang in a talent show one time. I am not Bet Midler <laughs> I mean I'm good but I'm not Bette Midler nobody is Yeah. What do you do? also Bette Midler's husband one of the Kipper kids from our Forbidden Zone episode Oh you're
0: right I forgot about that <laughs>
1: Get all the home to Home Alone too.
0: This entire podcast is like that, that meme from um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie's like slamming the uh, the info board. <laughs> Pepe Silva! Yeah Pepe Sylvia, this name keeps coming up over and over again. Every day Pepe's mail's getting sent back to me. Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia, I look in the mail. Well, this whole box is Pepe Sylvia! Everything comes back around to Bette miller. <laughs> oh my god.
1: But no, this film opens same plan as last time. Everyone's in the McAllister house. Which, by the way, just sold for a ridiculous amount of money. Really? Yes. Uh, the exterior is a real house. The was filmed in the gym. And actually, there's a great series on Netflix called Films That Made Us. And they talk about Home Alone. Ooh. Yes. And the interior is built in the gymnasium of an abandoned school. But the exterior is uh, the house is in the Chicago suburbs on Lincoln Avenue. And it is a red mm-hmm. brick colonial. And it's sold for, let me get this. For some reason, the link doesn't have it.
0: Well, uh, while you're looking those facts up, I do want to point out that um, I, I, I can't believe we've gotten this far into the show before without me saying so. But you're in my house now because this is what I do all year round is talk about Christmas movies.
1: Yeah. I don't know how you do it.
0: I hate myself. <laughs> it's it's a real self-loathing thing. But um, you can tell this is a John Hughes movie because it takes place in Chicago. But also, another Christmas John Hughes movie that takes place in Chicago is Christmas Vacation. But the Christmas Vacation house, I'm pretty sure, is on a back lot in Hollywood somewhere. Because the neighbor's house in Christmas Vacation was the Murtaugh house from the Lethal Weapon movies.
1: Interesting. And I've
0: always wondered. So,
1: wait. Sorry. Um, who wrote Lethal Weapon? I feel like I've heard this name somewhere.
0: It was Shane Black, believe it or Shane,
1: not. Shane Black, the subject of uh, the Christmas Creeps uh, episode, or er, Shane Black Friday, where we talked about the long kiss goodnight. Yes. So again, all things come along to uh, Back to Home <laughs> Alone. Yes.
0: Our our all-time most downloaded episode, Thank yes. You, once again. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, my point is, like, I've always wondered, you know, since Home Alone takes place in Chicago, Christmas Vacation takes place in Chicago, how far away is the McAllister house from the Griswold house? I think I the like McAllisters
1: live in a nicer neighborhood.
0: Oh, of, oh, no yeah, doubt. Yeah,
1: because the new owner paid $1.5 in 2012.
0: And I'm sure half a million of that was because it's the home yeah. alone house. I mean, it's
1: a huge house. They did, uh, they did have mm-hmm. to put up a fence because people, you know, come by and want to see it. I would.
0: Oh, they didn't, they, they didn't do like the people in, uh, in Cleveland did and just turn it into a museum like the Christmas story house?
1: Not at that price.
0: I guess. I guess <laughs> so. You're, you're going to get so many people trying to, like, sled down the stairs. It's, yeah. It would be a nightmare.
1: Or break in and steal shit.
0: Yeah. It's all the same. <laughs> But, you know, with Home Alone 2, the, like, the, the first, this movie gets as far away from the house as they possibly can with the quickness.
1: Yes. We, get to, we see the house that we know. We see uh, the parents' bedroom. We see the, the foyer, everyone going up and down the staircases. But in the bedroom, we actually get uh, our first song in a lot of ways because he mm. says he cannot go into the bathroom because Uncle Frank is taking a shower.
0: Hey, Kevin, you better go put your tie on. We don't want to be late for the Christmas pageant.
1: My tie's in the bathroom. I can't go in there, because Uncle Frank's taking a shower. He says if I walked in there and saw him naked, I'd grow up never feeling like a real man. Whatever that means. <laughs> now, this song is not on the soundtrack, am I correct? I
0: think it's on the original soundtrack, but they might I think they cut it for the second release okay
1: the song that we are referring to is of course uh cool jerk by the capitals from 1966 let's play a clip of the real song not the uncle frank version This song was originally supposed to be called Pimp Jerk. <laughs> they didn't think a song in 1966 called Pimp Jerk would receive positive attention, so they changed it to Cool Jerk. But everybody has covered this song. The Go-Go's, The Outsider, Todd Rundgren, Big Trouble, Human Sexual Response, The Lati Da's The Creation, The Tremolos, and The Coast.
0: And Uncle Frank.
1: And Uncle most importantly, Uncle Frank. Let's let's hear Uncle Frank saying. <laughs> None of the
0: fellas
1: want
0: to speak out their head hey, on their faces. They wear a silly sweat because they know I'm the king of the cool Jack. Get out of
1: here, you nosy little pervert. Or I'm gonna slap I don't feel like a real man.
0: I mean, I don't know. Uh, why start now?
1: I just want to know who has a clear shower curtain? hmm. They have such a beautifully decorated house. Why a clear shower curtain? Mine has Pusheen on it.
0: Ooh, fancy. I know. My question is, in a house this big, does Uncle Frank really have to take a shower in the kids' bedroom? Bathroom? And,
1: yeah. How many... Really? I mean, you'd think they'd have more bathrooms. And you'd think you think he would have showered, I don't know, earlier in the day? This is like a
0: three-story, ten-bedroom house. Don't tell me this is like a one-and-a-half bath situation.
1: That being said, I grew up in a four-bedroom uh, I had four sisters. So there were five of us, my mom and my stepdad, one bathroom. I'm very Ooh. good at sharing. Like, when I got to college and we just had to, like, all share a bathroom on the, the one floor, I was fine. I was like, I can wait. Uh,
0: you're, you're a more patient person than I am, really. So the Kuldrick scene also introduces a very important uh, plot device in the Tiger Electronic Talkboy.
1: Did you because- know anybody with a Talkboy? Boy?
0: My best friend had a talk boy, and I was so jealous of him.
1: Wow. Who is it? Does he still have it? Uh,
0: He's a very good lawyer in North Carolina. I'm kind of afraid to call him out on this, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) Mike, if you're out there listening and you still have your talkboy, you know.
1: It's probably worth a lot of money. Maybe. If
0: it still works, I'd be surprised.
1: Which is surprising, because now we basically all have talkboys on our phone. I'm surprised there isn't an app.
0: Yeah, like, what was the talkboy really? It was just a, a Walkman with a microphone feature. That's yeah. all it was.
1: A fax machine is just a waffle iron with a phone tape to it.
0: <laughs> but it was like the hot ticket toy that Christmas was the was the Talk Boy. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure the year after that to be uh, you know not politically correct but like equal opportunity they introduced a Talk Girl as well.
1: It was pink. It was pink. Like we couldn't like oh I was gonna get a Talk Boy but I can't because I'm just a girl.
0: Like you couldn't scribble over the blue. With a ping marker.
1: I didn't do that with my ear. I mean, I didn't have a game girl.
0: Yeah. Or just not give a shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. So stupid. I'm assuming the Christmas mix of Cool Jerk is just the audio from Uncle Frank singing, right? Like, that's the one that's on the on the.
1: Yeah. So let's not ever think no. about it again.
0: Uh, moving along. <laughs> uh, the McAllister family goes to the, the children's uh, recital at, I'm assuming it's a, ch- a church of some kind.
1: I guess it would be, or a school- a school recital, although they're wearing choir robes. did you sing in choir No as a
0: kid? I never did I was never I was never forced to do that.
1: I did it by choice because I had a lot of friends and was very cool, clearly.
0: Well, now we know something about you and me now, don't we?
1: Yes
0: <laughs> um, but we have the second song on our our soundtrack, "My Christmas Tree" by the Home Alone Children's Choir
1: who are definitely not possessed by devils. <laughs>
0: Let's take a listen.
1: I feel like I may have had to sing Christmas Tree, but this may also be a false memory, the way sometimes... You see in 80s TV shows where people are convinced that uh, they were tortured by Satan.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. I, so I'm not sure. So you saw this movie and saw this scene and thought, oh, God, they're going to make me sing this song.
1: No, I, I honestly can't remember. I was in a lot of choirs. I was in a school choir, and then I was also in a cantata oh, choir. Okay. So, And I know at one point we sang something from Hook Ooh. in cantata. So uh, I, I may just be like mixing all these things up. In my spacey brain, possibly, but I think we might have sung "My Christmas Tree" in choir one year. It's not
0: a bad little song. It's cute. I don't really. Yeah, it's you know, it's the kind of thing that uh, a school play would write for a children's play. It was composed by Alan Menken of all people, which that's surprised me. Very nice. Yeah,
1: our good friend Alan Menken. Yeah,
0: and I I also I want to give a shout out to uh, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, the Overthinking It podcast, uh, which is hosted by a guy named Matt Rather who has claimed on the podcast numerous times that he is one of the children in the choir scene and that that scene is what got him his Screen Actors Guild card.
1: Very cool. Wow.
0: I've never been able to spot him in this movie. I've seen this movie dozens of times. Can't find him, so I don't know if he's fibbing or what, but uh, Overthinking It is a great podcast and I highly recommend it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well... (laughs) Good. I'll have to. I'll have to check that out, and we'll have to find him. If any of you know where Matt is in the choir scene, circle him. Post on Twitter. OST party. There
0: you go. There you have it.
1: All the adults laughing in this. It is f- fucking funny. Buzz is hysterical. But yeah,
0: Buzz ruins Kevin's big solo
1: and gets punched in the face for it, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. However. All the adults are kind of at fault because they're adults. They should know better. Don't laugh that loud during Kevin's solo. Then again, Kevin's solo is terrible. Like Kevin's parents
0: great. are rightly horrified, but Uncle Frank thinks it's fucking hilarious.
1: Uncle Frank is all of us. He really is. I feel is. like he's the real like, collective id of the film. <laughs>
0: if this movie could be said to have a Greek chorus, it would be Uncle Frank.
1: <laughs> he is the king of the cool jerks.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is absolutely true. Uh, So then the family holds what I can only describe as a a trial for this incident. Yes. Where Buzz basically apologizes to Kevin in front of the family and then quietly says, you know... Beat that, you little trout sniffer. Rude. Rude. But so then then Kevin rightly tells the whole family off for being a bunch of suckers. And... And they are. And they are. But uh, so we we've set up the strife between the family. Also, the family is going to Miami for Christmas and Kevin thinks that's a dumb idea because there's no Christmas trees in Miami.
1: Yeah. Also true. And yeah, actually a coworker of mine is going to Miami uh the day after Christmas, so I wonder if he's staying at the uh the Dolphin Motel that they're staying at. <laughs> I hope
0: he decorates a palm tree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but this sets up sort of the homage to the last film while also a fake out because of course the last time it was Buzz uh, messing with Kevin Kevin had to sleep upstairs they forgot him you guys know how the film goes right but this time they oversleep the alarm doesn't go off they rush to the airport and Kevin I...
0: Kevin is with them this time
1: yes until is... <laughs> until they get split up And that's, this is one of those things, I love old airport scenes, Mm -hmm. because I remember airports being like that, and I used to travel a lot as a kid, uh, because we had family in Oklahoma City. And so, I mean, yeah, the idea of running through an airport of no security checkpoint, like they mentioned, like, oh, maybe they got separated at the security checkpoint, but he could just get on a plane, is like, it's, it's like a foreign language. It's like watching, you might as well be watching a movie from the 20s, we talked about this with Rat Race, same thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, they pretty much just run straight through the, the jetway to the plane. Like, they don't stop. Yeah. And Kevin gets separated because Kevin's trying to put batteries in his Talkboy. See, again, the Talkboy becomes again. important.
1: Yes, the Talkboy, which is available from the Sears catalog for what probably – was probably an astronomical sum of money, like 50 bucks.
0: See, now I have to look that up.
1: I remember it being, like, an out-of-range price for a child.
0: This says twenty nine ninety nine. That does not seem right to me.
1: But then, like as an adult, you're like, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, thirty bucks for a Walkman with a microphone tape to it.
0: He, yeah, here's a a um, an eBay auction for a vintage ninety two Home Alone Deluxe Talkboy tape recorder and nineteen ninety seven FX Drummer pin for two hundred and ninety nine dollars. <laughs> Holy shit! For a Talkboy and three cassettes and a little Talkboy pen. No, <laughs> thank you.
1: But I want to know if somebody out there listening got a Talkboy for Christmas. If you have a picture view of you with a Talkboy, please, again, post it to our Twitter at OST Party.
0: Hashtag Talkboy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Kevin gets uh, separated by his parents and his family because he's trying to put batteries in his Talkboy. And he follows a man who looks just like his dad to an opposite t- terminal to an opposite plane. And he gets on the plane by saying, oh, yeah, I see my dad down there. And they just let him on. Yeah. 1992, everybody. It's, it was
1: crazy. Good times.
0: That kid could have a, a bomb in his backpack. They don't
1: know. Yeah. He could be a trafficked child. We don't know. But the stewardesses are also all wearing high heels. <laughs> so it's definitely a movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You could tell they just want to get go home.
1: Really. Um, I've heard about American Airlines. They suck. It's like the worst. At that point, you might as well hitchhike. They have no in-flight entertainment. And last time I took American, the stewardess was really rude. So it was an overnight flight, I was having a little bit of a panic attack, and she wouldn't give me a fucking blanket, like, they're only for first class, like, get me a fucking blanket, you bitch! I'm clearly, like, having a little trouble here. It's two o'clock in the morning. I just want to watch my episode of The Shield, take a Benadryl, and go to sleep.
0: Look, lady, all I want to do is listen to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and go to Miami, just leave me alone.
1: Yeah, which is exactly what Kevin does. Mm -hmm. He listens to Christmas all over again, which is, like, cyclical because it's exactly like his last Christmas. It's Christmas all over again. It's, like, a theme, you know. Oh, wow. I see what they did
0: there. Wow.
1: It's, like, really deep. This movie's a good movie.
0: (laughs) It really is. And it also, like, it perfectly sets up how Kevin would not uh, not know that he's in the wrong place because he sits next to a guy and asks him if he's ever been to Florida. And the guy immediately starts speaking French. (laughs) And so Kevin just puts his headphones on and tunes him out. It may. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Which means he also misses when the, the stewardess says, uh, nonstop to New York. He's not paying attention.
1: Yeah, which is Ugh. good because there's a lot of like, well, how could this happen? Like one, your Disbelief. It's a child's movie from 1992. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it, it does. It, it keeps that plot really tight.
0: That's the thing. The movie knows you're going to ask those questions. Like, it happened again? Yes, and here's how. But uh, so yeah, here, here's uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Well, it's great.
1: Time again. Decorations are all by the fire. Everybody's singing. All the bells are ringing out. And it's Christmas. Now, I didn't know this song, but discovering it for this soundtrack was delightful. I love Tom Petty. And I just do. And, like, I don't like a lot of, like, deep Tom Petty cuts. I'm not going to, like, claim that I'm, like, a huge fan. I'm sad when he died. But um, everything – every time I hear a Tom Petty song, I'm like, that is a really good song. And then I think, I should get more into Tom Petty. And then I just don't. But maybe 2020 will be the year I get really into Tom Petty. I'm about halfway through with Elvis Costello. So it's time Mm. to get obsessed with somebody else.
0: Uh, I'm more of a a fan of Tom Petty as an actor – particularly his his role as lucky on king of the hill (laughs) which is a wonderfully like inexplicable like why is tom petty here i don't know but there he is and he's great
1: yeah why (laughs) wouldn't he be there
0: they had that one season where there it was like uh i think was it travis tritt and tom petty and a couple other country singers they just put them all in there and tom petty was the one who who kind of popped up out of all those and like yeah we want to use this character again what about george Strait,
1: star of pure country
0: I don't think he's ever been on King of the Hill. (laughs) Thank God for that. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) George Strait's fine. Uh, So I don't have a lot to say about Tom Petty. I'm sorry. I just This song is good. I've said everything that needs to be said
1: about Tom Petty. This should be on your Christmas mix, everybody. So add it to your Christmas Spotify playlist. I'm going to do the same. It's sadly lacking from mine. I'm embarrassed, frankly.
0: Yeah, so this was not on the uh, original home alone two soundtrack but it did appear later on the re-release where they kind of matched the soundtracks from one and two together
1: yes it also appears on a very special christmas volume two which has cover art by keith herring here's a quick plug if you want to come see a really cool keith herring exhibit next year come up to uh cooperstown let me know you're gonna be in town we'll go to the fenimore and see it so please come see me that sounds like fun yes
0: yeah. i know the i know the first the first uh release has everybody's favorite uh, christmas and hollis by run dmc
1: yes which is honestly the just the best i love that song it
0: is christmas music
1: yes it is that one's the,
0: that's for all you diehard fans out there oh,
1: god um uh, <laughs> but uh yeah this one has uh boys to men frank sinatra and cindy Lauper, luther vandross john, john bon jovi aretha franklin michael bolton and then run dmc which is amazing Debbie Gibson, Wilson Phillips, and Senet O'Connor.
0: That sounds like a really good uh, collection.
1: Yeah, it actually really does. And they, uh, uh, Bon Jovi does Please Come Home for Christmas, which is good because most of y'all know the Eagles version, which is terrible.
0: And the version on the Home Alone 1 soundtrack, which is okay at best. Yes. So Kevin makes it to New York. Hooray. He doesn't know. He has to ask somebody if that's New York, and she's like, yeah, it's you New York. Dumbass. But then what follows is a montage of Kevin touring New York City, which is set to, I'm going to say, my all time favorite Christmas song.
1: That is a hearty claim.
0: It is our, the Darlene Loves All Alone on Christmas. I am going to smash this button. We're playing the whole <laughs> thing now. <laughs>
1: I do like this song. I, love it. I did. And was this like considered like the the hit single of this or?
0: It was cuz they made a music video for it.
1: Yes, and he's in it. and He's kind of uh he's mixing
0: <laughs> He's behind yeah, the soundboard, he's yeah. He's dancing
1: with everybody.
0: But the great thing about this song, it's not just Darling Love. It's most of the E Street Band as yes, well. Yes, and
1: you could tell which... because there is a fucking sax solo.
0: Hell yeah, the big man is here doing a sax solo. Uh, Steven Van Zandt wrote the song for Darlene Love, mm-hmm. and they got the East, you know, most of the East Street band. Max Weinberg's here, a bunch of the others, and the Miami Horns are on the song as Isn't well. Isn't Max Weinberg and... the guy
1: from the uh band in Return of the Jedi?
0: No, that's Rick Springfield, <laughs> right? I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's uh Edgar Winter. I, I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a genuinely great song, though it is very similar to Darlene Love's other song, uh Christmas baby please come yes, home but but I don't mind that' because that song's great too
1: yeah this and here's the thing. I'm not really a big Christmas music fan, like some people like love it as a genre. I really don't I listen to I have a Christmas mix that I made for record Saturday, and I will listen to it once I listen to it while decorating our Christmas tree. Then I'm done. I can listen to uh, The Kinks' Father Christmas like twice. Mm -hmm. And then I listen to uh, Elvis Costello and Stephen Colbert doing their much worse things to believe in from Stephen Colbert's Christmas special. It hits me in a lot of weird places because I got a real thing for Stephen Colbert and a real weird thing for Elvis Costello. So I'll listen to that like five times. But I do not start listening to Christmas music until December 1st and then I'm over it. Yeah, me too. And I just don't, I just don't, like Christmas music it, it does
0: bother me like the stations that'll just play it 24-7 starting November 1st because it's all the same stuff over and over again and this year apparently they decided they were going to throw uh, Baby It's Cold Outside back into the mix and I've heard no. it a hundred times this year no
1: we all agree like, that's a bad song yeah I
0: thought we decided that like five years ago is
1: this is this on John Legend yeah. I will put this on John Legend
0: I want to fucking put it on Seth MacFarlane I don't know
1: okay put it on him too he sucks yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. I just and I don't know if that's like the consequences of being raised in a Jewish household or what. Like I just I just don't really I don't like holiday theme music anyway. I'm Mm -hmm. not a super I mean, I got my Christmas tree up, it's bitchin'. I like Christmas, I have no issues with it. I just don't really like Christmas music. On the whole. Th-
0: yeah, and I get that, and, and that's fine. My thing with Christmas music, though, is like, I, there's a a lot of it is just trying to cover older Christmas songs.
1: Yeah, that I get really protective of, where yes, I'm like, no, exactly. no, 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 You don't cover that. That's a fucking classic. Keep your hands off Last yeah. Christmas. It belongs you, you to don't... George Michael. He died for your sins.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's right. I don't need to hear anybody but Elvis Presley do Blue Christmas. I don't need to hear Elvis Presley do Blue Christmas, to be honest, but like... The ones that I like, I will listen to those. I don't need new covers. I don't need new songs. Unless it's a song like this that's like genuinely good and well-produced. And like.
1: Christmassy as fuck.
0: Yes, because this is a song about being lonely at Christmas, and I've had lots of those, and I know what that's like.
1: Oh, you can come and... have Christmas at my house, and then you don't have to watch Cats.
0: Oh, I might have to. I might have to uh, take a vacation to New York sometime.
1: Yeah, soon. get on the wrong plane. Yep. Find <laughs> <laughs> up in New York. Whoops! <laughs> I, Sorry. Yeah, Merry we got Christmas. separated while we were going to see Cats. I ended up You bought New a York. movie ticket.
0: I bought an airplane ticket. I don't know how that happened.
1: <laughs> I was on American Airlines. I thought I was going to see Cats. <laughs> they didn't check my ticket. They're idiots.
0: <laughs> they didn't show me Cats. Instead, they sent me to New York. <laughs> I think they thought I wanted a ticket to the Broadway show.
1: <laughs> it happened. So
0: they sent me to New York.
1: Oh, God. So... As he's trapezing all over Lower Manhattan, we see the the uh, Twin Towers. Nice ooh, reminder yeah. that this is 1992, and we never had forget good back then. Yes,
0: never forget. <laughs> it is. It's a little tough to watch that scene for that very reason. Like, oh wow, they really linger on that, don't they?
1: Yeah, and he's up at the top, like.
0: There's, yeah, out. there's that long helicopter shot of him at, on the on the the, the roof. Yeah. Ooh.
1: And it, one of the things I love movies set in 90s New York. Because that's the New York I spent time in. Right. And so it's it's like old postcards.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. well, I've got kind of a theory about this movie and how it relates to Christmas. So you you know more about New York City than I do because you've been there before. I um, lived there. Right. So when did they really start to like clean up New York City? It's like Times Square.
1: By the time that was sort of credited under Giuliani.
0: Yeah, but when
1: the late '90s, I would say. Okay. Because so- when I was going there, which started about 1993, I mean I was a little kid, so I didn't go too far on my own. Mm-hmm. But we weren't far, and actually, when uh, Marv and uh, Harry get off the subway, they get off uh, what appears to be uh, you see the Q line. And that's Fifty Seventh Street, which is right by the Plaza and Central Park, which is my neighborhood. That's, oh wow! I mean, my grandmother's apartment was at Seventy Fourth and Broadway, so that Upper West Side neighborhood is where all of this takes place. And it was always it was always safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't go into the park at two o'clock in the morning, but it wasn't like the the sort of like gang infested hellhole that. Uh, that the movie seems to portray it as but then again i was a kid so maybe i didn't know right
0: well here's my sort of like galaxy brain conspiracy theory is that the reason giuliani decided to like clean up new york city is because lots of tourists were probably brought to new york city around christmas time because of this movie they needed those tourism dollars and they wanted to give those tourists a reason to come back at christmas i have a feeling this movie is the reason giuliani cleaned up new york city
1: Maybe I mean people have always come to New York for Christmas. You got the Macy's windows, you got the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. Fun fact: In 2016, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree was from my hometown of Oneonta, New York.
0: Oh boy!
1: Yes, I got to go to the uh, very nice. Yeah, to the the lighting, and it was beautiful. Mm. It was really spectacular. So, um, you definitely feel a little sense of hometown pride there. there but you go, the. Yeah. Uh, People have always come, you know, sort of the miracle on 34th street takes place in New York. So there definitely Mm -hmm, is a mm -hmm. New York at Christmas theme.
0: Yeah. New York at Christmas is definitely a thing.
1: Yeah. But this, I wouldn't count that out. And especially considering Giuliani's associate with one of the actors in this film.
0: Yeah. Who we'll get to very shortly. Mm -hmm. So Kevin, after his uh, whirlwind tour around New York city, finds himself at the Plaza Hotel which he saw on TV back at the, back at home at the start of the movie. Mm-hmm. And he uses his talkboy to finagle himself a hotel room posing as his own father. Yes. And as he's walking through the lobby of the Plaza Hotel, he stops a very orange-looking T-Rex with baby hands and asks him, asks him where the well, where the lobby is. And
1: he gives him the wrong him directions. <laughs>
0: Yes. And then as every bad actor in movie history it looks directly into the camera.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I am talking, of course, about our current president of the United States.
1: Not for much longer.
0: Because as of, let's see here, 29 minutes ago, he was officially impeached by the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm.
1: So I believe, now correct me if I'm wrong, that this is the first film on this podcast that features... A president who's been impeached
0: and hopefully will be the last <laughs> but this this is a historic first for the ost party ladies and gentlemen yes. let us enjoy it for just a moment yes Mm-mm-mm. bask
1: in its glory this now i've oh. been to the plaza i had tea at the plaza with my grandmother oh. so i think after we saw cats <laughs> it, i believe it's condos now Yeah, the the plaza did not do well under the previous owner, uh, who certainly bankrupts everything he touches.
0: I have some fun facts about that, if you'd like to hear them.
1: I would love to hear them.
0: Okay. So in 1988, the the Weston Corporation sold the plaza hotel to him for $390 million. By 1992, November 1992, when he appears in the film, he had agreed to sell his controlling shares of it to um, Citibank. So by the time he appears in this movie, he was no longer even the owner of the hotel.
1: That actually makes me really happy because I probably <clears throat> went in 1994-95, so I I was at least not going to a property owned by a literal Nazi.
0: My my favorite detail here, the agreement was submitted as a prepackaged bankruptcy in November
1: 1992. <laughs> womp womp. He was impeached from his own hotel. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: fuck them They're a yeah. it is
1: impeached also the color of the makeup he uses <laughs>
0: uh.
1: so but while we're here we also see some other old friends here we are Marv New York City the land of opportunity ah, smell that yeah you know what that is fish it's freedom no it's fish The Wet Bandits are back. They have escaped from jail. And they're now the Sticky Bandits.
0: Yes, because Marv has decided his new gimmick is going to be wrapping his hand in tape and sticky tape and stealing change (laughs) out of Salvation Army kettles, (laughs) which, knowing now how the Salvation Army runs their business, I can't really fault him for Go
1: for it. So it's like a Robin Hood kind of thing. Donate that 14 cents on your hand to uh, charities that are for trans rights.
0: Yes, Absolutely.
1: It's weird when you think Daniel Stern almost didn't get cast in the original.
0: Why? Why was that?
1: I guess uh, he wanted too much money. Because the budget for this was nothing. For The original film was nothing. Really? Yeah. They didn't even want to make it. I don't even remember, nor do I even feel like looking up who they cast instead. But he wasn't very good. Didn't have the same chemistry with Joe Pesci. And when Fox picked up the film they brought the budget back up to what it needed to be and brought in Daniel Stern.
0: That's amazing because my question was always why and how did they get Joe Pesci? (laughs) You know,
1: I don't know how, but he is delightful and wonderful. And his whole like mumbled language was because he couldn't stop swearing. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Pesci. (sighs) Joe, 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 Joe. Yeah. And he just did a, a, a Google commercial. About uh, about being in this film, so he clearly still responds to it with some fondness.
0: Well, that's that's good because like, I I always had this image in my head of Joe Pesci being this really, um, this kind of guy who kind of looks down on roles like that. But nope. you know, if he if he still you know thinks of it fondly, that's great. Yeah. That's so
1: this is a Joe Pesci Joe Pesci fan cast now. Yeah. But actually, I have a very quick New York story about Macaulay Culkin. Okay, sure. This does not speak particularly well of me which is you know i'm gonna tell it anyway so i was walking on the upper west side with my sister hillary i think it was passover don't remember what year probably 98 99 and we passed kind of a dumpy theater and on the uh the marquee is macaulay Culkin doing some stage work i don't remember what the play was i'm like (laughs) macaulay Culkin who would see him in anything as I walked right past him <laughs> so he must not have heard me because he smiled at me in like a kind of a nice way he was outside smoking and it wasn't dice sort of like turned back I was like that was my colleague so Mac if I can call you Mac Mr. Colkin. <laughs> if you are listening, I'm very sorry that I made fun of you because you are, by all accounts, a pretty decent guy. Mm -hmm. So I I feel really bad. And I felt bad about it for, you know, 20 years or so.
0: You know, I kind of like how he's sort of conducted himself recently. Like, he's kind of come back into the spotlight, but he hasn't taken, like, the big paycheck yet, you know? Like, he kind of has his own comedy website and he does his own thing. He'll appear in a Home Alone commercial every once in a while, but, like, he won't you know, he's not in movies or anything anymore.
1: He's not you know? kind of Corey Hart in it up. Yeah, because he doesn't
0: need to. He's. Uh,
1: oh, sorry, it, Corey Feldman. He's not yeah. out there, you know, being Corey Feldman. He doesn't have his angels. He's not weird.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, what? He does. He, 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 Mac wears sunglasses at night. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, you know, he, he doesn't need to because he's Macaulay Culkin. So I think he knows that. So he knows that he can kind of just do whatever he wants and no one's going to really question him. So Kevin is enjoying his time at the Plaza Hotel. He goes to the swimming pool to work on his cannonballs. And we hear the next song on our uh, on our playlist, Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms.
1: Yes. Let's go do a clip. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock.
0: Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Snowing and blowing up bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop. My dad hates this song. Really? Every time it comes on, he just like he like you, I can see him tense up and just go, oh, "I fucking hate this song." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why.
1: This is, I like this song.
0: It's yeah, it's a it's a cute song. It's it's not like cloying or or sappy. It's just like a fun little uh, uh, jingle bell rock song.
1: Yeah, like, what do you want. And this is this is the kind of Christmas music that I don't mind. Of course, everybody re-releases it. I'm pretty sure mm. Michael Bublé has a version out there, um, but I I want to hear this. I like the original. I feel good when I hear this song. Yeah. So I don't it's, know. It's how, fun. Yeah. How does one jingle bell rock? I don't know. I just I imagine the dancing is pretty awkward.
0: I'm surprised he didn't like do a, a step like sing steps in the lyrics of the song. You know, sort of I want to like know the what jerk. the jingle bell rock. Yeah, exactly. The,
1: the cool jerk. I actually I looked up what... how to do The Jerk, and I'm like, so that's what it's called.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. put that in the show notes. I will. Uh, so, all right, anything else about Jingle Bell Rock? No,
1: except that it's fun, and if you don't like it, I just feel sorry for you, Joe's dad. <laughs> there actually is one acceptable cover of this song, mm-hmm. and that is Hall & Oates covering Oh, it. of course. Also because the, the video is adorable and so... Slightly gay, and I mean that in like the best way.
0: And also, there's like cross dressing in it because G. E. Smith plays the grandma. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Like I, I like that he's in there. and They give grandma a guitar and she starts to rock out.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. They're wearing ugly sweaters and like giving each other Christmas presents, and they're just so happy to see each other. Mm-hmm. And I love Hall and Oates. I like Oates better. Of course. Hall just seems like a little bit of a jerk sometimes. <laughs>
0: Uh, So moving on, we have uh, one of my favorite gags in the movie, Uh, a returning gag from the first film. Kevin is sitting in his hotel room. He's watching a movie. It's not a Christmas movie. It's Angels with Even Filthier Souls.
1: I think there's a Christmas tree in the background because he says, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. It is a Christmas movie. Okay. You know
0: what? I stand it. Angels
1: with Filthier Souls is a Christmas movie.
0: Okay. Angels with Filthy Souls, not a Christmas movie. Angels with Even Filthier Souls, 100% a Christmas movie.
1: Yep, we should do it on Christmas Creeps here.
0: We should, yeah. It it is Christmas Creeps eligible because, yeah, that's all we need. But it is a like, Christmas movie. it is. It hundred percent is. Fuck Die Hard. It's Angels with Even Filthier Souls. Yeah, but on like on the TV is a stack of VHS tapes and they're all fake movies and I want to see all of them.
1: I know. I like my favorite thing about Angels with Even Filthier Souls is that it presents that there is an Angels with Filthy Souls extended universe.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Give us the angels with even filthier souls.
0: Now, who would you? Okay, who would you cast as Johnny in the Angels with Filthy Souls cinematic universe?
1: That's tough. My inclination is always to cast Walton Goggins and everything. Uh is Baby Yoda eligible? Could we cast him?
0: Sure, why not? You know what? Let's go for the meta casting. Let's cast Joe Pesci.
1: Yes, Joe Pesci. What it would are you be doing?
0: a ton, a ton of fun.
1: Yeah. So this, honestly. This is the best ideas podcast.
0: I, it really is. I mean, there's the worst idea of all time podcast. This is the greatest ideas of all time.
1: Yeah. Podcast. So a reboot of Angels with Even Filthier Souls starring Joe mm-hmm. Pesci. Make it happen. A,
0: a Disney Plus original. Yes. Rated PG. <laughs> uh, but this is this is where sort of one of the, the film's catchphrases, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, comes from.
1: Yep. I've used it on Twitter. You can use that mm-hmm. gif. December 25th and no other day. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Uh, A couple things, though, about uh, about his stay in the hotel. The uh, bellhop Mm -hmm. is played by Rob Schneider. Yes. This is our second holiday appearance by Rob Schneider. He was also in Eight Crazy Nights, which we talked about over on Christmas Creeps last year.
0: Yes, we did. Yes. Rob Schneider, the man of uh, a thousand voices but really just two yeah
1: so he (laughs) plays it more or less straight here we also um get to see tim curry as the concierge
0: i was just gonna say like one of the greatest like supporting turns in christmas movie history is tim curry as the sleazy like kind of effeminate concierge
1: we honestly don't deserve tim curry he is a saint. He's amazing. He also put out two albums, but we wanted oh, to wow. talk about the worst albums and I haven't heard them, but they're probably amazing because he's Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. And he was great in Muppet Treasure Island, which is honestly my favorite movie of his. This that is, is a close the second, second time
0: today someone has told me about Muppet Treasure Island.
1: Have you ever seen Muppet Treasure Island?
0: I have not.
1: Muppet Treasure Island is a legitimately amazing film.
0: All right. I, it has I, a great
1: soundtrack, it. too. Mm. Hmm. i'll have to
0: do a whole like muppet month next year should do a muppet month i mm, just put a pin in that Okay. but no tim curry is immediately um suspicious of kevin because you know why wouldn't he be mm-hmm. like he's kind of just doing his due diligence because kevin uses his dad's credit card to check into the hotel and that's like 10 time 10 kinds of shady right there yes but Kevin gets away with it because he's very, very clever and very sneaky. Yes. And he manages to use the, uh, the Angels with Even Filthier Souls tape to, to sneak away after they confront him about this uh, stolen credit card.
1: Yes, he also uses the talk boy of his uncle singing Cool Jerk to further scare away Tim Curry.
0: Okay, this scene um, two, has two Christmas songs in it. The first, uh, when Mr. Hector, the concierge, shows up to try and spy on Kevin. Kevin's sitting on the bed, and we hear like half, a half-second clip of Alan Jackson singing Holly Jolly Christmas.
1: The less said about this, the better, because this actually makes me angry. This is a terrible version.
0: So how about we just not play it?
1: No. Let the people hear my pain. Somebody waits for you. Kiss her once for me. Have a holly jolly Christmas And in case you didn't hear Oh, by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas This year It's just slow, and it doesn't sound like he's having a holly jolly Christmas. It sounds like he's having a hungover Christmas in his trailer.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like someone is you know, holding a fifty dollar bill in front of his face and be like, You know you wanna sing Holly Jolly Christmas. He sounds like he's singing it, it
1: on the toilet. But on <laughs> one of those new toilets that slants at thirteen degrees, so he can't sit there long enough. So he
0: so he can only do one take before his legs start to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> but it just it blows my mind. This is on the soundtrack and all we hear of it is Alan Jackson going, Holly Jolly Christmas and it just cuts.
1: Yeah. That's well it. they knew better.
0: I mean, I know they did, but it's still like, if you're going to do it like that, why even use it?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Because you have contractual obligations, I guess?
0: Uh, fair enough. I mean, that's that's like the, the legitimate answer. Yeah. That's how these soundtracks are composed. Yeah. So, fair enough. <laughs> but Kevin chases them out of there using a, an inflatable pool clown, uh, the audio of Uncle Frank singing Cool Jerk and yelling at Kevin, and uh, a little bit of puppeteering magic.
1: Yes, Call back to the first film. Mm-hmm. So the second time he uses it, when he uses angels with filthier souls, he makes them get on their knees and tell him he loves them. Which, honestly, I want that to be my ringtone. It's just what? Tim Curry going, I love you. I love you. You gotta do better than that. I, I love, love you. you.
0: So, yeah, um... Then, after this scene, it cuts to the McAllisters arriving at their hotel in Miami. And it's pouring down rain. It's a terrible scene. Meanwhile, they're playing Andy Williams' It's <laughs> the Most Wonderful Time of the Year.
1: I'm a sucker for a music cue that just dials up the dramatic irony. I love that.
0: <laughs> and I, I love that shot of, of, of the van sort of driving past the camera, and they're all looking out the window just dumbfounded. Yeah. Like,
1: it, and Uncle Frank says, really... like, oh, it looked much better on my honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> she makes me think that Uncle Frank took them someplace that he fucked.
0: <laughs> and then made his brother in law pay for it. I know.
1: It. Uncle Frank is a hero.
0: <laughs> Uncle Frank is a, a real pro at this Yeah, isn't we
1: stand Uncle Frank here on <laughs> OST party.
0: <laughs> what do you think of this one?
1: I like it. I mean it's it's cliched, but I I dig it. Mm-hmm. Like, who's gonna argue with this? It's I don't think it's anybody's favorite, but no. it's perfectly at home, like on your Christmas playlist. You're not gonna like snap to turn the radio off.
0: It's like it's big and brassy and kind of um, a little bombastic, but not too much. And it's it's just a fun. Yeah, Christmas and you're thinking,
1: song. you know what? It is the most wonderful time of the year.
0: Yeah, Andy Williams. Yeah, he's good right. Old Andy you know? Williams. <laughs> okay, so that same night, uh, Kevin's in his hotel room. And he's looking out the window at the the New York City sort of uh, cityscape. It's all lit up at Christmas time. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. As
1: someone who has been in New York at Christmas, it is beautiful. New York at Christmas is a really really mm. special time. And I'm a sucker for that New York City skyline. But every time mm. I'm down there, is a lot of times I go down there. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm alone I'm visiting friends, but I'm there by myself. And I do I do kind of I miss my husband. So because I'm yeah. a, I'm a husband girl. It's like a wife guy, but different. <laughs> um, but this they're playing a uh, distant star. Now, is this also the uh, Home Alone children's choir?
0: I believe it is. Yes. Yeah,
1: I really like this song much better than uh my Christmas tree or somewhere in my memory. This is the best of them.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, a more downbeat song. Like I think this soundtrack benefits from having one or two kind of downbeat Christmas songs mm-hmm. because you know not everything can be bright and bouncy and and over the top.
1: Yeah. And also that reliance on classic Christmas music is great uh, because it does instill that nostalgia. But what's so wonderful about this and about somewhere in my memory and uh, my Christmas tree. And there's a a YouTube musicologist that goes by sideways who talks about this in a video about uh, why home alone has the greatest uh, Christmas score is because you have to think twice. Like, is that a, is that a real Christmas song? Where have I heard that before? Cause it sounds so real that you almost forget that it was composed for this movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss here. I, I think I need to just listen to it again.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, but it's, it really does sound like a traditional Christmas song and I love that. And, and this video, which we'll link in the show notes talks about why and it's fascinating it really is um, it's sort of like uh, Misbehaving on the Righteous Gemstones mm-hmm. Danny McBride talks about how everyone was trying to look up that song they thought this sounds like a song my grandmother used to listen to and it was composed for the show so I love it when uh, when composers can nail that so perfectly mm-hmm. as, as yeah, I think he yeah. does here although this does sound like a tune I later heard in uh, Beautiful Katamari
0: wow i haven't thought about katamari in years
1: yeah i'm going for the deep cuts we have a a katamari christmas ornament that my husband made me a little santa uh tiny prince
0: oh i'm jealous (laughs) no i'm jealous he
1: made that he made that for me one christmas that's adorable very cute yeah i posted a picture of it on my twitter
0: but uh, the other thing the thing that i like about this song is like it's it's about sort of the other side of christmas where you know you you can sometimes forget that it's kind of a, you know, the reason for the season, as they say, is about, you know, uh, three wise men following a star to, you know, visit baby Jesus in the, in the uh, the major. And it's kind of just about, I mean, the the, the picture that I'm seeing here of, of on the YouTube of just the song, it's a, it's a kid staring up and looking at, you know, quote unquote, the Christmas star and just that, that quiet moment, you know, Christmas Eve where you can kind of look outside and see the stars and just kind of have a moment to yourself.
1: Yeah, and you ponder, you know, maybe you don't follow Christianity, which is fine. um, But it's about being with family. It's about being with friends. It's about being with people you love so that you aren't spending Christmas alone. And even if, you know, your family is far away, at least you're connecting with them. Mm -mm. You know, rather than just sitting sitting alone socially and mentally and honestly if anyone is listening to this and they feel like they're alone on christmas hit me up on twitter at libby cudmore i'll be your friend on christmas it's i'm happy to do so now there you go yeah you don't have to be alone on christmas unless you want to and you're like super in solitary that's cool Mm too Anything you wanna do on Christmas, honestly, is fine by me.
0: This soundtrack has like the two modes of being alone on Christmas. Like the quiet, contemplative, sort of, you know, looking up at the stars and, and pondering lost friends and family. But then also sort of the um the Darlene love side of it, the the sad and and but the sad but not necessarily despondent version of it where, you know, you just wanna be with people at Christmas because no one no one ought to be alone on Christmas.
1: Yeah. But also what I like about the Darlene love song is sometimes there is something really exciting about just being by yourself, uh, maybe not necessarily at Christmas, but just having the whole world that you could just embrace mm-hmm. and go out and have an <clears throat> adventure in yeah, as kevin does
0: there's always something going
1: on yes
0: um so yeah at this, at this time, you know Kevin 's looking out on the city and he sees this, he sees the star at the top of the children 's hospital he doesn 't really understand the significance of it yet. But that's coming. Yes. And at the same time, his mom is in Miami and looking out on the uh, the rain and thinking of Kevin. And yes. Oh, that's so sad. It's beautiful. It's not as well developed as the first film. Like the, no, the, the relationship it really between isn't. mom and Kevin.
1: No. And it's it's lazy and that it just sort of relies on that you already saw the first film. It doesn't deepen their relationship. No. So.
0: Because really, what just... mom should be saying is, "God damn it, Kevin, you did this again."
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. You could get such a spanking.
0: I know. I know. So moving along, uh the next day Kevin hits the town and go and charters a limo to take him to Duncan's Toy Chest. And he gets his own uh cheese pizza like in the first film and he gets treated to a TV playing The Grinch. And also uh, we hear Johnny Mathis's It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas.
1: Yeah, so we don't even have to play a clip of this because you're hearing it in your head. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows this song. Um, I use this a lot because we do Christmas way up in upstate New York mm-hmm. because it starts snowing around June. Uh, and yeah. we actually, we have a Christmas parade. We we have two Christmas parades. There's one in Cooperstown. There's one in Oneonta. There's multiple. Oneonta has a Santa. The mall has a Santa. Cooperstown has an amazing Santa.
0: <laughs>
1: and... You know, just my, my job puts me in the middle of all of it. We, we really do up Christmas. So I use It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas at least once a year in a headline, in a caption, in a story. It gets used a lot. The song gets stuck in my head. It's stuck in your head now, too, as you're listening. We don't even... All we have to say is that first line.
0: hmm hmm The thing I didn't know about this song when I was researching this was that uh, the song came out... Johnny Mathis' version came out in 1988... But it didn't become popular until it was included in this film. And, really? And now you can't get away from it.
1: That surprises me because it sounds like such an old-timey Christmas song from, again, like 1942.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. It was written in the 50s by Meredith Wilson and yeah. and recorded by basically everybody. But Mathis' yeah. version, because of Home Alone 2, is now kind of the one that everyone knows.
1: Yeah, but his voice sounds so old-timey.
0: It does, yeah, yeah.
1: It just sounds like but, the original recording on, I don't know, wax cylinder.
0: <laughs> but that's the power of a, of a strong soundtrack and a strong Christmas movie. It can give life to these songs that you otherwise would have just never heard. Yes, indeed. These songs or versions thereof.
1: This is why we do this.
0: This is exactly why we do this. <laughs> Kevin meets Mr. Duncan at Duncan's Toy Chest, not knowing that it's Mr. Duncan. But he finds out that all of the money that the toy store takes in on Christmas Eve is going to the children's hospital. And so Kevin decides to donate an extra, uh, you know,
1: $20. Out of his parents, like, envelope full of cash.
0: Out of his dad's vacation fund, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And Mr. Duncan is is so um, touched by this gesture that he gives Kevin a pair of uh, turtle doves from the Christmas tree sitting next to him. Explains the concept of the Christmas tree. And I tell you what you
1: do. You keep one, and you give the other one to a very special person. You see, turtle doves are a symbol of friendship and love. Now, as long as each of you have your turtle dove, you'll be friends forever.
0: And that's great. And then Kevin leaves the toy store... And is is approached by Harry and Marv.
1: Yes, who see McAllister on his backpack, the monogram on his backpack. Now, I remember in the 90s, you were told not to have your name on your backpack because it would get you kidnapped.
0: Yeah, for that very reason. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people, like, explain to their kids why you shouldn't do that.
1: Yeah. but that Using... was Because monogramming was a big thing, and then all of a sudden it wasn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Monogramming is the kind of thing you do on, like, towels in your bathroom, not your fucking backpack.
1: Yeah. I don't get but it. But that was a... My ex had his initials on his L.O. pain backpack. Mm. So. But, um... Also, Duncan's toy chest, by the way, is supposed to be, like, F.A.O. Schwartz, mm-hmm. which is also gone.
0: Yeah, oh, wow.
1: Just about everything in this movie just is gone.
0: Doesn't exist anymore.
1: Um, I'm gonna double-check that, but I'm pretty sure F.A.O. Schwartz is... I mean, it's a company now, but um, I don't think the F.A.O. Schwartz store is still there. It's also a kitty corner to uh, the plaza, so he really didn't need.
0: He didn't need <laughs> a limo. <Aww>. Oh, so, um, <laughs> poor Kevin. He didn't know any better.
1: Yeah, he could have literally like walked out. <laughs> oh, you know what? No, I guess it is still in business. So cut that. Right.
0: Well, we'll still be going to talk about the store because it's an odd looking toy store. It's the kind of toy store you would see, like, antiques and knickknacks that no child would ever want to play with.
1: Yeah, the real FAO Schwartz is nothing but Barbies and Legos and action figures and branded items. The last time I was in there, they had a, an ugly doll section, which my husband and I collect, mm-hmm. or did. Um, we actually started collecting them when the they were in the, like, remainder bin at also the now defunct tower records ah. and but they i think they brand, they partnered with fao schwartz they had a huge section with like a giant babbo like seven foot tall babbo So my husband and i went to that when i was living in the city and that was pretty legit mm, yeah that was amazing but the rest of fao schwartz is sort of it's just it's a giant toys r us i mean toy stores are the same there's not you know
0: yeah i remember when i was a kid my dad went to new york city on business and he came home and said, hey, I went to FAO Schwartz. It's that big toy store in Home Alone 2. And I got you something. And he presents to me a, a Wolverine from the X-Men bandana. And I was a little confused because I thought he said he went to a toy store.
1: Yeah, that's... Uh, your dad's John Mulaney's dad, isn't he?
0: Probably, yeah. He would
1: order a black coffee at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. John oh, yeah. Mulaney actually talks about this this scene... In one of his specials, because he talks about uh, seeing him get a pizza in a limo, and he says, "This is the height of luxury. It is. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so this is his first encounter with or uh, he does get away, he buys some beads from a street vendor them in I guess what we can call the bead trap. I really believe that seeing home alone, and Home Alone Two is what made our generation love Saw movies, so that there's like a thousand of them. It's essentially Saw for children. It really is,
0: yeah. <laughs> Kevin is like a
1: Kevin grew up to be Jigsaw. He did. And I think there's there's like that's a popular fan theory. I didn't make that up.
0: No, you didn't. It, it's out there. I mean, as as yeah. much as people like to say that you know Home Alone is die hard for kids, it's it's Saw for kids. Yeah, I mean, it
1: really is. It's saw for babies
0: saw so, oh, saw babies
1: <laughs>
0: oh that's adorable and terrifying yeah um so yeah kevin is confronted by mr hector about his credit card runs up to the room he gets to he gets the uh the drop on them when they chase him up to the room with the uh angels, angels with filthier souls tape that's a great scene it's a little uh I don't know. It doesn't play the same now, though. It's a
1: little homophobic now. A
0: little bit. Oh. That doesn't stop me from uh, reciting that line every time I see the movie, because it's just... Eh. It's indelible.
1: Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Wait, which, which line are you referring to?
0: Don't give me that. You've
1: been spoaching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, Little mole with the gimpy leg, Cheeks, Bony Bob, Cliff.
0: I could go on forever, baby.
1: Yeah, oh, that, that, okay. Because it also, you know, because he plays the gunfire and they all crawl out. That scene. Oh. Also, not going to play very well in our modern era. No, but yeah. I will say this Tim Curry got that bubble butt. <laughs> he got that bubble oh, butt. Oh,
0: yeah, he does.
1: It is round and big. <laughs>
0: Last thing I'll say about that scene, though, is that uh, when I was a kid, we, our, our cat had, had kittens. And so when we were trying to name all of them, one had, you know, was a little runty. So of course we named it Little Mo with the Gimpy Leg.
1: <laughs> Please tell me you kept all of them.
0: We kept like two of them.
1: Did you keep Little Mo?
0: Yes, we kept Mo. Okay. Oh, and the one that had the, like, it was, it, they were all black cats. The one cat that had, like, long black hair, we called her Slick. Slick and Moe. Oh, poor cats.
1: (laughs) Little Moe with the gimpy leg.
0: So anywho, this is the point in the film where the soundtrack kind of gives out.
1: Yeah, it just goes to score from here on out.
0: And basically, if if you haven't seen Home Alone 2, Kevin leads Harry and Marv to a house with a bunch of traps, and he uses the traps, and then they get arrested. You you know what we completely forgot to talk about, though? What? The pigeon lady.
1: Yes, we did not talk about the pigeon lady.
0: Because Kevin, you know, like like with the first film where he meets uh, Mr. Marley, the old man next door, he meets the Pigeon Lady in Central Park, who's a homeless lady with pigeons all around her, uh, and she's an adorable old lady, and the movie really makes you love her. But uh, yeah,
1: does she have a name? I feel like it's Molly.
0: I think it is just the Pigeon Lady. Okay. I I, I hate to say that, but I think it's tr- it's true. Hmm. Uh, it's Brenda Brenda Fricker as. The capital P, capital L Pigeon Lady.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's her Irish accent. She just seems like her name is naturally Molly.
0: Maybe. Maybe so. But uh, so they go someplace warm to, uh, to get away from the cold because it's Christmas Eve. And they go to a concert hall. Uh, Libby, do you know what concert hall that is?
1: I do not. But guessing? Oh, it, it,
0: it's Carnegie Hall. Okay.
1: Yes. I was going to say and Carnegie Hall. There's... It's just, just where they are. Just,
0: you, yeah. You could kind of just guess it. But it's def- it is Carnegie Hall. And so they're sitting up in the attic listening to the orchestra play Christmas music. And John Williams is there uh, conducting the orchestra, hmm. which is a new I did not touch. know that. That was John Williams, yeah. And so, you know, they get a couple, you get a couple of uh, uh, songs on the soundtrack. Oh, uh, Come All Ye Faithful, and, which is on the soundtrack, and A Little Town of Bethlehem, which is not.
1: The, but, who does yeah. the version of Oh, uh, Come All Ye Faithful on the soundtrack?
0: It's credited to Lisa Fisher.
1: Okay. And that's the vocal version?
0: I I assume so, yeah.
1: Okay, because I hate it. Really? Yes. Okay, I I love... I didn't listen to
0: the the vocal version, so...
1: Oh, that's the one that's on your playlist.
0: Oh, well, I just watched the film and listened to that.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. I was just going by your playlist.
0: Okay, well, fair's fair. I'm sorry. I should have done my due diligence. Yeah, so the version that's on the soundtrack is very much not the version that's in the film. The version in the film is big and bombastic like a full orchestra would be. With no lyrics, and it's great. I wish yes. that was on the soundtrack. I'm sure it's on the like the um you know the film score c d album, but it's not on the soundtrack
1: no, and the version that is on the soundtrack is terrible
0: yeah, it's not a great way to close out the soundtrack
1: no, and because I love Okoma ye Faithful, it is my favorite like hymn. Mm-hmm. i uh, I just think it's beautiful. I love it when we sing it in church, and I don't know where I know a harmony to it, but we there was I think it was probably something my sister Sean learned in choir and taught me, so I know like a harmony that you sing alongside it. Yeah, yeah. And it's so beautiful. Like when this when we do this one in church, I just like belt the ever loving fuck out of it. <laughs> I belt it. For baby Jesus.
0: Do it for baby Jesus. I know. It's Christmas.
1: I, for as much as I don't like Christmas music, I was in show choir. Like I said, I was in a lot of fucking choirs. And we would go caroling and do different, you know, Christmas things at nursing homes and things like that. Which, to this day, and back me up other show choir people, I could still sing all of an Amy Grant Christmas not one of my talents i'm real proud of but there you have it but i do love like traditional christmas music uh oh holy night um uh, and hark the herald angels sing mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. i You're just like i really of the, all of the christmas hymns like the the standards really
1: yes i love all of those which mm. i really hate when pop singers do them it makes me angry as um... evidenced here
0: you know what? What album would really make you angry, but is actually probably my favorite Christmas album? What? It is an album called Christmas Songs by uh, a band that we've covered on the show, uh, Bad Religion. Did an entire Christmas album of like Christmas hymns.
1: I already hate it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hate it. There
0: is, okay, there are like two or three really embarrassing songs. Like they do White Christmas, like it's a Ramon song, and it's awful but also they do hark the herald angels sing and it's they really sell the hell out of it. I actually legitimately love it.
1: Okay, but do they know it's Christmas?
0: They do and they don't care because they're all Jews and atheists.
1: <laughs> okay, I can respect that.
0: They did an interview about this album where they basically said like, "Look, you know, we don't celebrate Christmas, but we kind of have to admit all the best Christmas all the best songs are Christmas songs."
1: Well, yeah, unfortunately, we get the Hanukkah song, and that's it. Yeah. That's, like, that's... Or, oh, and I, I talk about... Uh, for sort of more information on my Jewish upbringing because this is probably all getting real confusing uh, you could listen to our episode on uh, our Christmas Creeps on Eight Crazy Nights I go Yes. all the details about my Jewish and Christian upbringing
0: that is definitely in the show notes
1: yes it is um,
0: okay so we're gonna wrap this, uh, set, uh, this film up real quick because it's we are running late we are running over um, yes and Santa
1: Claus is gonna be here soon now I mean here's where the film could honestly just stop because what was interesting about Home Alone was we didn't know how he was going to get out of getting burglarized by these guys. So watching him build the traps was really interesting. The second time, not so much. And it's just, it ends up feeling gory.
0: Yeah, you, the, could, you come to expect it.
1: And it's also just the tra- traps, if you will, aren't as good. They're not as clever. It feels smashed in. And what you have prior to that set piece... Is actually a pretty good film about a kid, you know, learning to, you know, be nice to someone who maybe doesn't look like him, and might be going through some mental illness struggles, mm-hmm. and is away from his family on Christmas. So there's a, a message about family being where you find it, and friendship, and shit like that. So
0: and and, the... and he and he has like a legitimately. Sort of touching moment, you know, near, near the end of the film, where he's looking at he's looking at the kid in the children's hospital, and he remembers what Harry and Marv say, and he has that great line where he says, "You can mess with a lot of things, but you can't mess with kids on Christmas."
1: Yeah, so I would have rather seen and... something more of a heist in the toy store. Yeah, might have been more fun, but instead he goes to his uncle Rob's isn't that who they're going to see in Paris
0: yeah in the first in film in the first that's, film yeah so in the second film they're still in Paris therefore their house is being renovated
1: yes in New York. and when he lays out plans for operation ho 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 you see they have a ballroom honestly eat the rich that is what you should do this Christmas eat the rich they do not need a ballroom <clears throat> well
0: you no. know what I mean Kevin fucking destroys his uncle's house so good there you go
1: yeah he's a fucking hero
0: But, I mean, like, Kevin learns this important lesson about, you know, doing the right thing and then proceeds to nearly murder two people. Yeah. Like, eh, you know, it kind of falls on its face at the end, but it's only because, like, they know why you're here to see this movie.
1: Yeah, and at that point, it just sort of feels kind of sad and gratuitous. Yeah,
0: and he meets up with his mom again at Rockefeller Center, and everybody's happy at the end. So the last song we hear as the film credits start to roll is another uh, John Williams Leslie uh brick use joint. It's Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Uh, let's play a clip. Sure.
1: Sing a song for the season. Merry Christmas. Merry-
0: I I remember hearing this in the theater and thinking it was too much.
1: Yeah, this is (laughs) a lot.
0: This is like the song they play to get you to leave.
1: Yeah, it's like everybody pack up your leftover junior mints and your home alone commemorative bucket of popcorn. Mm
0: -hmm. I I do love the, 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 the first lyric is, you know, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, sing a song for the holiday season. But good Lord, not this one.
1: Yeah, it's like, well, we were kind of, we don't really need prompting. I mean, all we have to do is stand anywhere and go, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and everyone will join in. I mean, we all saw Elf.
0: Everywhere you go.
1: (laughs) Those are the only words we know. I think something about snow.
0: The fluffy kind they don't sell in (laughs) Chinatown.
1: Oh, yeah, that's That's okay.
0: It's an okay song. It's not my favorite part of the, of the, the album by a long stretch. No. But uh, so yeah, that's Home Alone two. There are two songs we didn't really talk about on the soundtrack, but they're here, so we might as well talk about them. The first is you know Bette Midler doing "Somewhere in My Memory," which I believe we did talk about earlier.
1: Yes, we did. It's not great. It's okay. It's yeah. The second
0: one, the one that's the most inexplicable to me, is a cover of "Welcome Welcome to Under the Cup." Co- I think this is all mostly under the covers. "Welcome yeah. to Slay Ride" by TLC.
1: Yes. Now, I don't know where this is featured in the movie.
0: As far as I'm aware, it isn't.
1: I didn't think so. This is an inexplicable piece of ephemera that I am here for. It's weird. us I mean, just play play a clip. It's...
0: Yeah. Here's Slay Ride, everybody. Just hear those
1: sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling, too. It's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you It's an ugly weather for us to stay right together with you Christmas
0: It's so weird! Like, I didn't I, even know TLC existed in 1992 but I guess TLC they has did.
1: has always existed and will always exist.
0: They're of course. They're in our
1: hearts always. But this is it's so bizarre, but it's so it's such a wonderful piece of again like that early nineties hip hop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's got it. that very New Jack swing kind of sound to it. I know. And this is TLC when they were in that period where like their all of their clothing had condoms all over it.
1: Yeah, let's go for it, girl. Y-
0: you you look at the music video and like I'm looking at T-Boss and she's just got like three condoms stapled to her <laughs> oversized overalls. Man, ninety two was weird.
1: I know, ninety two was whack. But no, I think that sleigh ride is probably in my top three on this one.
0: Yeah, honestly, like it, it's it doesn't need to be here, but I'm kind of into it.
1: I'm so glad it is. <laughs> it's like that cousin you don't see very often, but when she shows up, like she's like, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah.
0: Now my question to you is, where would you have put this in the movie?
1: I would have put it. Hmm. I don't know because the film is actually pretty tight.
0: It might be in the scene near the end when Kevin's mom is like running around Times Square. Maybe because you see how kind of scuzzy the Times Square is and a lot of the, the the storefronts. It might be playing on the radio in the background there. I'm not sure. That's okay, where well, I would probably put it, though.
1: Okay, well, don't disrespect TLC like that. But I get it.
0: You know what I'm saying? Like it's.
1: Oh yeah, that would. That's the only place where like music would work.
0: That's the only place it could be. <sighs>
1: Oh, yeah, I don't
0: know, but wherever
1: it is, or you know what, over the end credits,
0: put it over the end credits.
1: Let us I, all hear it
0: because I know it 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 shows up in the end credits. You know when when they're listing all the songs, there it is.
1: Yeah, so and it's like, in the film somewhere. It's,
0: it's somewhere, but uh, give this song a, a look. I'll put this one in the show notes too because this one also has a music video. Yes, and it's well worth a watch.
1: It is. It's actually that one's my favorite.
0: It's a pro click. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's Home Alone 2, everybody. This is Yeah, a... it's,
1: it's still great. My husband and I have a tradition on Christmas Day where we don't go out. We've done everything with families in the days before. And we just stay in our pajamas and watch Christmas movies. And we actually watched this last year with the specific intent of booing the orange one.
0: Ah, nice. The
1: impeached one.
0: The impeached one, yes. Which you
1: have to do now. When you watch Home Alone 2, you have to boo when he comes on. You have to it's boo and just, hiss. It's what, it's what we do. It's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> but I was surprised at just how well it held up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the again, the the um Saw sequence doesn't. But the rest yeah. of it is still a pretty sweet little movie.
0: Yeah. My only complaint with Home Alone 2 compared to the first is that Kevin is so smug in this movie.
1: He is. My only real complaint is that we didn't get uh the home alone 2 that we could have gotten there was an alternate version did you know about this no yes well at age 12 greg sestero of the room and who authored the disaster artist wrote a sequel to uh home alone where he played we all
0: at some point (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, where he, playing uh, Kevin's older brother, or no, sorry, Kevin's neighbor, the two of them got trapped at Disney World and had to fight uh, the Wet Bandits, or the Sticky wow. Bandits, as they're known in here. Uh, he submitted the screenplay to Hughes Productions, and John Hughes wrote him a letter back uh, encouraging him, and uh, you know, personal letter, and that is one of the things that gave us Greg Sestero, that you know sent him to Hollywood
0: gave him the drive to be an actor
1: yes a filmmaker, so there is still time yes we could still get Home Alone 2 starring Greg Sestero and uh this doesn't have to go in but I'm pretty sure that he there's an episode of like something with Macaulay Culkin where he talks about this okay so put, I'll find it I'll, we'll put a link in
0: sure and, I, and also, I know, um, after this, Home Alone 3, the uh, infamous Home Alone 3 without Kevin McAllister or Macaulay Culkin any of those people, there were some ideas floating around for Home Alone 3. We talk about this in our Christmas Creeps episode on that movie. But basically, one of the original ideas floating around was to make Home Alone 3 all about Kevin's cousin Fuller.
1: Oh, not Fuller. He wets the bed <laughs> Yeah. Although he is played by Carrot Culkin. <laughs> who just garnered a uh, Golden Globe nomination for Succession.
0: Yeah, Kieran has gone on to be a really good actor. Um that's all we got for Home Alone 2, I think.
1: Yeah, so it's the soundtrack, it's... I with the exception of uh of sleigh bells and uh, and All Alone on Christmas, it's your pretty standard Christmas soundtrack.
0: You really could turn on uh your soft rock station right now and hear most of it.
1: Yeah. So, is it a great soundtrack? Sure, put it on at your Christmas party. Is it a great movie? Everyone will be happy
0: mm-hmm. when you put this on. Pluck Everyone? you know, your favorite two, maybe three songs from it and put it in your own Christmas playlist. And, and you're all set. And, and one of those be. should
1: be Home Alone on Christmas. Or so one of them should be <clears throat> All Alone on Christmas.
0: Oh, what if, this, what if the song was actually called Home Alone on Christmas and it was about Kevin McAllister? Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. It'd be perfect. It would be great. So, yeah, that's where we're going to have to leave it. If you want to listen to this soundtrack... Um, I can link you to the playlist that I made. The actual CD is out of print and very hard to come by. Um, Keep buying that physical media, everybody, because sooner or later, you never know.
1: And remember, if you have physical media that is out of print, it's your duty to copy it and share it with your friends.
0: Absolutely.
1: We support piracy. Arr. Keep circulating the tapes.
0: Ahoy, mateys. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> That's going to do it for the OST party for 2019. This is our last episode of the year. Yes, Merry it is. Christmas to one and all. Happy holidays.
1: Yes. And um, happy holidays from all of us. Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. We've got another great year of movie soundtrack podcasts to uh Absolutely. Go through. Or, we, we, we have movie uh, soundtracks to go through.
0: We have lots of listener requests that we will definitely get to in the new year. I promise. Yes.
1: This and... is going to be a very listener focused new year, I think. We've we've garnered the fans. Uh can always use more but uh, keep sending those in and we'll uh, I was really surprised uh, Angus was on there I yeah. thought about the soundtrack to Angus in forever
0: and I, I, re- I replied to uh, our, that person on Twitter saying when I was you know digging up soundtrack CDs that was one of the ones that I bought I yeah. have it so. so we definitely could
1: yes so
0: in the new year what are we what are we up to next on OST party
1: Well, it is our 27th episode, and you Weird Al fans know that 27 is a special number in the Aliverse, so we are going to be talking about UHF. We're going to have a special guest, Rich Bunnell, from the Discord and Rhyme podcast.
0: Awesome. I can't wait.
1: They just had me on to talk about uh, Rio by Duran Duran, so we're going to return the favor. Oh, fun. Yeah. Rich is a great guy, and we're we're excited to, to have him on.
0: I'm looking forward to it. All right. So uh, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the Internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore and on Instagram at Record underscore Saturday. You can also listen to me on the Shattered Shield podcast. We're winding down season four and it got wild. Joe, where can they find you?
0: They can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat or on the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps. Our most recent episode was on a, a lost Christmas special called Cranberry Christmas, which, oh was, which was sponsored by Ocean Spray and narrated by Barry Manilow. What? It's a heck of a thing. So go check that out. Um, and so that'll have to do it for the holiday episode of OST Party. So for OST Party, I am Joseph Wade.
1: And I'm Libby Cudmore.
0: Buy the ticket.
1: Take the sleigh ride. Nice.